Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide, does a certain job sound interesting to them? And if yes, how do they go about exploring it further? Now on today's episode, our guest is Shirzad Shamin, and Shirzad is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Positive Intelligence. And over the years, Shirzad has done a lot of research and developed tools to help each of us understand how can we improve our performance and really realize our full potential. And it's really interesting research. He coaches CEOs around the world, including many Fortune 500 CEOs, and he's also a member of faculty at both Stanford and Yale Business Schools. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this discussion. And without further ado, let's welcome Shirzad. Shirzad, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. And first of all, I really want to thank you for taking the time because I know you're really, really busy. But I heard your talk recently, which you delivered at Stanford, I think as part of their Entrepreneurial Thought Leader series. And I really, really enjoyed it. It had a lot of impact on me. And I felt that the more people can hear your message and benefit from it, the better. Wonderful. So, uh before we get started, so I mean, I, I want to go into the beginning of your journey and what really led you to do this work. But maybe to set the stage, you can give us a little bit of an introduction to your research and to positive intelligence. Uh, yeah, positive intelligence so that uh, is the body of my research that basically looks at the fact that inside each of us, we have uh, the power and brilliance of the Jedi, but we also have the ugliness and the sabotage of the Darth Vader, and that inside every human mind, there are two forces constantly fighting for domination, our Jedi and our Darth Vader, and the balance of power between those two parts of us, I call that your level of positive intelligence. And your positive intelligence is what, in our research, we show is the biggest predictor of how happy you'll be in life, and also, for many of your listeners, important to know that it also correlates with how much of their potential they really achieve. Hmm. So if you really want to reach your true potential in life, you want to make sure your positive intelligence level is the highest it can be, meaning you want to strengthen your Jedi inside and uh, and weaken uh, the, your Darth Vader. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a very, very apt message for this audience. So maybe you can take us back to back when you were at your own company and the events that happened, which actually led you to start thinking about this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I think what you're referring to is my own first venture-backed software company. Mm-hmm. I started it uh, I started it several years after I finished being a student at Stanford Business School. And I had been an engineer prior to that, so I created this prototype for a software that would help employees in a company manage their own career. It was a self-coaching software. And I cold call uh, some Fortune 100 uh, CEOs and uh, well-known luminaries in the field. And to my amazement, they all found the presentation compelling, my, uh, my style compelling. They were drawn to the company. So I got 
10 very famous uh, angel investors and uh, later on a $20 million uh, venture financing and then and also attracted world-class employees to my company, including one of my buddies from business school who came in to be president of the company. And so everything was awesome. As I started the company, mm-hmm. everything was positive and beautiful. And then two years into running the company, uh, our offices was in downtown Palo Alto. One day I went out for lunch and I, and that lunch came back to our offices uh, on the second floor of this downtown Palo Alto place. And my heart sank when I walked in because I noticed that my chairman of the board was sitting in the boardroom mm-hmm. along with my president, with my most senior director, my most senior VP. And basically they were waiting to have a intervention on me and what was going on is this was a palace coup uh, because I had become such a horrible leader such a horrible manager in these two years that they couldn't stand working for me anymore and I wasn't listening to anybody so they had to go to the board to push me aside and and in that uh, and at the moment what I realized is that I had gone from this incredibly positive, magnetic, visionary leader to such a horrible leader that nobody wanted to work for me. And the question that came to me was, what has happened? What had happened here? Who was the real me? Was was I that brilliant visionary or was I this horrible leader? How had I changed from one to the other? Who was the true me? And could I go back to what I used to be? And the answering to all of these questions, what was for many years, kept me busy and eventually led to positive intelligence work. Yeah. Yeah. And so first of all, I I mean, I think this is a very hard experience for anyone to go through. And I think you've mentioned in the past that for a long time, it was just very hard for you to keep going to going back to office again and again, because you were constantly reminded of how these people had not treated you in a very fair manner, or at least that was your impression. And and then slowly you managed to turn that experience around. So I, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into that, that um, how did you get out of that experience and turn it into a positive one? Well, the um, you're right. What had happened is now, I mean, I, I, after this, this experience, I, I lost some of my power in the company, but I couldn't walk away because I had brought in all the investors, I brought in all the clients, uh, everybody had come in because they trusted me and I couldn't just abandon them and walk away. So I had no choice but to keep coming back in to work every day with people that I thought had betrayed my trust uh, because I had no choice. And that was an extraordinary painful thing. And I, I, uh, in order to make sense of it, I started you know, challenging that part of me that kept saying, no, no, that uh, these, these guys are terrible and have betrayed you and start wondering if there was another explanation. What I eventually understood was that actually these people were fighting for the, for my vision. They were fighting for the reason we had all started the company. And what had happened is that that true visionary that I was, was no longer the person they were interacting with. They were initially coming, uh, attracted to the company because they were interacting with my inner Jedi and what had emerged under the incredible stresses of running the company mm. was day in and day out they were interacting with my dark with my dark waiter and there was no nothing beautiful about my dark waiter yeah. 
And uh, so what I so I had to confront the fact that I had been more and more uh, basically being run by the dark parts of myself. And I had to take accountability and responsibility for that and realize that actually these people were fighting for my vision. And I mm-hmm. came to eventually trust them even more deeply than ever before. And they are today, to this date, they are very close friends. Uh, so what I really ended up realizing is all these dark parts of my own uh, psyche. And eventually, as I discovered those in myself, I started also discovering that everybody has some variation of these dark Mm-hmm. Uh, characters inside them, I call them your saboteurs, the agents of your self-sabotage. And that became a big part of my research and work. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that what you're saying is that initially the reason that you were able to take your company to so much success was because you were driven primarily by the positive forces inside you, which you're referring to as your inner Jedi and everyone was attracted to it. You were very magnetic, very charismatic. But then as the stress of the company and building your company kept on increasing and increasing, uh, the dark forces became stronger and stronger. And that's what ultimately led to this. Every, everyone kind of sort of reaching out to you and doing this intervention, quote unquote. So I, I, I want to ask you that how did you realize that this was the problem that was happening? And the reason I ask is that, I mean, if you take the example of anyone who is in a similarly miserable position, maybe they're just not doing well in their job or they're not happy or they're in a bad relationship, let's say. How how can they try and think about that situation in a different way, which can help them then, you know, change it into a positive one? Well, my, uh, my work on positive intelligence ultimately results in one taking complete accountability for our own experience of work and life, which means that at the end of the day, when I coach a CEO, when I coach executives, I look them in the eye and I say, you know what, you're completely accountable and responsible for how you're experiencing life moment to moment, meaning that anytime you're feeling negative emotions of any sort, whether it's stress, anger, shame, guilt, disappointment, self-doubt, any of these negative emotions are being produced by your own Darth Vader's inside your brain, which again, I call your saboteurs. Mm-hmm. And that it's you're not experiencing these difficult things because people are bad or because experiences are bad or events are stressful. You're experiencing life this way because the, the characters running uh, your brain right now are the dark characters inside your mind. And at any given moment, you have the choice to shift your brain activation and shift to the Jedi inside, and you will experience instantly that the entire situation is transformed to a situation where you can do some positive uh, thinking, acting, and moving things to a very different place based on the fact that you're looking at it quite differently. And so what I ultimately arrived at for myself and teach others is a stance of complete accountability for the experience you're having. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, what I, that's the reason I call this work kind of Jedi mind training, is that think about it, when, when the Jedi is in the middle of war, even if the Jedi is being attacked by five different enemies, five different directions, uh, when you think about it, the Jedi is not feeling all upset, all stressed, getting all angry at the person attacking from the left or right or whatever, the Jedi is completely centered, clear-headed so that they can take decisive action 
instead of wasting any energy and emotion and figuring out who is the bad person and who is the this and who is the that, they are just in a commanding place uh, where they can take precise laser-focused action to do what it is that needs to get done. Yeah. No time and energy is wasted on blaming others and shaming others and feeling upset. All laser-focused on action on what needs to get done. That's command, mastery over one's own mind, mm -hmm. taking complete accountability for what's happening right now and what you're going to do about it. Mm. I mean, that's obviously not very easy to do. So can you share examples of uh, these saboteurs that you, that you refer to, the dark forces in our minds? Yeah, by the way, you just said it's not easy to do. Absolutely right. And the Jedi doesn't become Jedi because uh, she read a book on Jedihood one day or <laughs> she said, oh, my God, that sounds like a great idea. The Jedi uh, basically is about building muscles of self-command over your own mind and literally in your brain. It's about building gray matter in areas of your brain that are about self-command. And about having these powers. So it absolutely is about having the, uh, enough passion about this work to say, you know what, I am going to build my mental, emotional fitness by building these muscles and maintaining these muscles. It is, uh, it is not automatically done. It's more of a fitness model where you want to build up these muscles every day. So in that sense, it takes work. But it also is joyful work because as you do this work, it releases endorphins in your brain that become almost addictive. Like I just love maintaining my muscles, not because I have to, because but because it feels so good when I do yeah. it and it produces all these results. Well, you're right. I mean, if uh, it, this this is sort of the ultimate having complete power inside of you, right? That you're no longer bothered by things which are outside your control. Your happiness is completely internal to you and within your control. How How long did it take for you to go through this transition and get to where you are today? Um, well, I've been at this work for, uh, for about 20 years now, but the key maybe interest to your audience may be how long will it take them to get some palpable, mm. tangible results. And what we now know from, uh, neuroscience research is that within just eight weeks of activating, uh, these regions of your brain, where your the inner Jedi lives uh, for, a, for a minimum of 12 minutes a day, within eight weeks of practicing 12 minutes a day, you actually can see increased gray matter under an MRI uh, imaging. Oh, wow. with, okay. your, with your naked eye, you can actually see increased gray matter in the regions of the brain where your Jedi lives. And very powerful part of the research is that actually you also will see decreased gray matter, decreased muscle power in areas of your brain that lead to all your negative emotions where all your saboteurs and so, uh, use the so-called dark waiter lives. So within eight weeks of daily practice, you absolutely feel very palpable shift in how you feel and how you uh, handle the challenges in your life. You will you definitely not be at Jedi level mastery. I'm not at Jedi level mastery even after all these years of work, but you will absolutely get a lot closer to that with some practice. I mean, but that sounds very doable. I mean, eight weeks and just 12 minutes a day is something which I think any of us who's interested in this kind of thing should should be easily able to commit. So what, what do you recommend? How do you do this? 
Um, on my website, positiveintelligence.com, there are there are some resources. One one is there is an assessment of saboteurs. Hmm. Uh, so if you go there and click on the tab that has, says assessment, you get a saboteur assessment. And in five minutes, you uh, you get a bar chart that shows you which kind of saboteurs do you have? Well, who are the agents of your self-sabotage? And their names are things like the judge, uh, controller, stickler, avoider, uh, victim. There are 10 of these uh, self agents of self-sabotage, most people have a few of them. No person I have ever worked with in any culture, the book is translated to 16 different languages now. I've never been to any country in any culture where somebody has said, what the heck are you talking about? We don't have these saboteurs. Mm -hmm. I don't have any saboteurs. That has never happened. So first you want to find out who the enemies inside are because the problem is that these enemies inside are currently masquerading as your friends. Your judge has been telling you all your life, I, I need to keep beating the crap out of you and keep beating you up for what's wrong with you, you idiot. Why can't you improve more? What can't you be better? Why did you make that stupid mistake? I need to keep doing that, you idiot, so that you get better and better and better. That's the tone of the judge. Uh, the controller, the hyperachiever, all these characters have pretended they are your friend in pushing you to more and more success. So first you wanna the, uh, re expose the enemy inside so that they lose their credibility, they get weaker. Mm. So you weaken the enemy that way. Uh, so you're basically gonna be weakening the Darth Vader inside. But, uh, then on the other side, you wanna increase the power of the Jedi inside. And one of the ways to do that, there are several ways I described in the book, but one of the ways to do that is do these 12 minutes a day uh, exercises that activate that region of your brain. There are guided audio sessions on my website that actually guide you through doing those exercises so you build up the brain muscle. So are these 12-minute exercises, are, are these similar to meditation? Yeah, great question. The uh, Meditation is a specialized form of what I do. So... The most the ancient way of activating and building up strength in that region of your brain uh, has been meditation and mindfulness practices. The problem is that about 15 years ago, I started requiring my clients to actually meditate 20 minutes a day or whatever. And everybody promised, but only, within a month, within a few months, only about 10, 15% of them were able to keep up. So what I realize is that meditation, even though it works if you can do it, most people who start meditating don't sustain meditating for whatever reason. And so I went back to MRI studies and tried to figure out, is there another way we can build those muscles in the brain that's more accessible and easier for the type A personality in our busy culture to do? Mm. And what I came up with was this thing I call a PQ rep. A PQ, PQ stands for positive intelligence quotient. So I abbreviate a lot of what I do to the word to mm -hmm. PQ. And a, a rep comes from, you know, in the gym, if you take an, a dumbbell and you do a lot of uh, reps with right. it, uh, each dumbbell rep strengthens your, let's say, bicep muscle just a tiny bit. And if you do a bunch of these reps every day, then your, your muscles absolutely grow. So similarly, the PQ rep, 
is the equivalent of a dumbbell rep for that positive region of your brain. And it takes only 10 seconds. And we just want you to do a bunch of these reps every day. And what a PQ rep is, is for 10 seconds, you want to bring your attention as much as possible to one of your senses, one of your physical senses. So whether it's your sense of touch or sense of hearing or sense, or sense of taste or, or visual uh, sense, you want to bring your attention as much as possible to one of these senses and make everything else background rather than foreground and let go of thoughts as they come. And if, and we can do it right now, actually. So for our listeners, I would love if everybody now, as you're listening to us, begin to bring as much of your attention as possible to your sense of touch and go ahead and uh, rub two fingertips against each other. Take two fingertips, rub them gently against each other with such attention that you can feel the fingertip ridges on both fingers. So if you rub two fingertips against each other right now with such exquisite attention that you can feel the fingertip ridges on both fingers. And as you do this for about 10 seconds, if we had your brain under fMRI, we would see that the positive regions of the brain got slightly more activated and the negative regions of the brain where your dark radar lives got slightly quieter. Now, if you do this a lot, you will actually see gray matter build in the PQ region, gray matter decrease in the other region, what should I call the survival brain. Mm. And over time, profound shifts happen. The beauty of the PQ rep method, by the way, let's just do one more. Okay. Uh, so you have been hearing this podcast, but now really begin to hear. So hear nuances to my voice that you haven't heard until now. So begin to hear more exquisitely. First, I'm focusing on my voice even more than you have until now. And begin to hear perhaps other sounds. So are there any ambient sounds you haven't been hearing until now? Any other sounds that you might not have heard until now? And as you become more exquisitely focused on hearing and let go of thoughts as they come, then you're again activating that region of your brain. You just did another kind of PQ rep. The beauty of the PQ method, uh, rep method is you can do it with your eyes open. You can do it in the middle of a meeting. Mm -hmm. You can do it when you really need it in the middle of the day. A lot of long-term meditators who have started working with me say it was life-changing uh, when they started doing this work because they realized that in their meditation practice, they had only learned to get themselves all relaxed and centered in their meditation room, with their eyes closed, with their mantra, or however they meditated. But with this practice, with the Picura practice, they could do it while they were taking a shower, while they were walking the dog, while they were commuting and sitting in traffic, while they were, most importantly, while they were in an important meeting and their, their boss was barking at them, <laughs> while they were, you know, you know, being introduced to go on stage and give a presentation yeah. with their eyes open. That this is what I do all the time before my major presentations with my eyes open, waiting to be introduced. I'm doing a bunch of these PQ ups to shift my brain to the part that will deliver the best presentation. Right. 
So this is this is actually very interesting. So it's almost that whenever I mean, one you should obviously try and make a daily habit out of this and try and do it whenever you can. But then also whenever you feel yourself that you're in some sort of a negative mindset, you can just quickly do this PQ rep. So like for, in my case, I just touched my thumb to my index finger, and uh, th- does that like really quickly get you into the uh, at least a slightly more positive frame of mind in just fifteen seconds? It seems. Yes. Uh, so using absolutely. So le, le, using the again metaphor of the muscle, yeah. uh, the reason you want to do about twelve minutes uh, cumulative uh, work per day is because of research that shows you need the minimum of about twelve minutes per day so that these muscles you're building won't atrophy and you begin to see uh, the new gray matter in those regions of your brain. So that builds muscle mass, hmm. and it's hard to. Uh, but then what happens is. If you're sitting in the middle of a meeting and you're, you're, uh, some shit happens and, and things get really difficult and you start saying, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to go negative. I'm beginning to panic. I'm beginning to you know, lose my uh, confidence, whatever. When you do these few PQ reps, then what happens is that it activates these strong muscles that you've already built mm-hmm. and brings them to uh, and charges them up to come and deal with the situation. That's almost like you have gone to the gym, you have built the muscles, and now you warm up those muscles so that they push right. the heavy weight that's against you. Okay. So you want to go to the gym to build up the muscle strength, and these PQ reps activate that muscle. Right. Uh, both are important. Okay, I see. So I want to go back to the saboteurs and just uh, learn a little bit about your about your findings there. So you mentioned. Uh, saboteurs like the judge and the controller and the stickler so let's say I take the assessment on your website and I find out that I have let's say three four of these what do I do next yeah the, the most important thing in fighting an enemy is to is is you know uh, create a real sense of that enemy's lies and strategies and tactics against you the single most important thing you need to actually do is to look these guys in the eye and say, you're not my friend. You've been lying to me all these years. And that's, uh, you know, such a big deal because the initially the reaction people have when I start coaching a CEO and say, hey, it sounds like you got the controller saboteur and the hyperachiever saboteur. They say, you know what? I get it. I, I get called control a lot. I, you know, I've been achievement oriented like this all my life. What's the big deal? Haven't they made me successful? Mm-hmm. So the most important thing to confront is the the following lie. Uh, most people saboteurs can accurately tell them that they have been pushing that person to their current level of success. So your judge can say, if I hadn't beaten you up so much, you wouldn't have improved yourself so much. And if the controller can say, if I didn't take control of every meeting, nothing gets done. You know, shit doesn't get done. So part of my success is because of it. Now, they are telling you half the truth. And the half the truth is that what they have been indeed doing is pushing you, pushing you, pushing you and others to the current level of success. The problem is that this push has been all based on negative emotions. The way we know a saboteur is running you is when negative emotions are present. So all saboteurs are run on on some variation of fear. So underneath all saboteurs 
primarily is fear. Fear of failure, fear of losing face, fear of looking bad, fear of, uh, you know, hunger and starvation and, and, and all of those kinds of things, right? So, and have they been pushing it to your current level of success? Absolutely, yes, that's true. The lie is that don't, they don't tell you that there could have been another way for you to improve yourself and make things, uh, make sure things get done, which would have been instead of being pushed by fear, you would have been pulled by your sage's positive emotions. So there is a push, but there is also the alternative, the pull. Mm -hmm. And your sage really underneath the every uh, impulse of the sage is also another primary uh, emotion. If the primary emotion underneath all saboteurs is fear, the primary emotion underneath all sage is love. When you think about it, life really is made possible through the two primal forces of fear and love. And what do I mean by love? I don't mean just kumbaya, tachifili kind of thing. You know, the, the Jedi in the middle of, of war is not going to love his or her enemy and say, hey, you know, kill me if you want. The Jedi, the Jedi is a fierce warrior when they need to be. But the, uh, so what we mean by love is the Jedi is being pulled by all of the positive emotions, such as uh, empathy, which is love for yourself and others. Explore, uh, which is love for discovery. Innovate, which is love for breakthrough, out-of-box thinking. You know, navigate, which is love for a sense of purpose and meaning. These are all powers of the Jedi. Activate, which is je which is the which is love for kick-ass action and making stuff happens. The Jedi is always being pulled by these positive energies of the mind and, mm -hmm. and your soul. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, if you have your current level of success by being beaten up by all your saboteurs through their threatened fears, imagine how much more successful you would have been if you had been constantly pulled by the love of the sage for, for empathy for yourself and others and discovery and invention and meaning and purpose and kick-ass action, how much more successful could you have been if you had been being pulled by love rather than pushed by fear all your life? Hmm. And right now I want to ask each of our listeners, are you primarily uh, pushing yourself through fear of saboteurs uh, and or primarily being pulled by the positive energies of your stage. That's a choice that you have. And in that choice, you it determines not only how much success you're gonna achieve, but also how happy you will be along the way. Because many of the CEOs I coach are already on top of their career. Some of them are billionaires, but they are not happy people because so long as you're being pushed by the fear-based saboteurs, you, are, you just don't have any peace in your heart. You don't have any lasting happiness. You have these temporary moments of celebration when you reach the summit. And then the question is, what's the next summit? And what do I need to do next to prove myself to the world or to myself? There is no peace in your heart. Yeah. So, so you got to make that choice. So I, I'm glad that you bring this up because I, I did want to ask you, you know, just playing the devil's advocate, you know, there is a case to be made for saying that a lot of these negative forces are the ones that really push you to just keep on going and going and going. But it sounds like there is scientific evidence to say that the positive forces can help you do more as opposed to the negative forces. Yeah, and the evidence 
is that the survival part of your brain, uh, where all your saboteurs and all your negativity lives, really specializes in threat and danger and what's what can go wrong, right? So when uh, when you're in the survival brain, you're really just good at finding out what's wrong and what could go wrong. And that part of the brain really is not wired for the most important thing you need for success, which is creativity, resourcefulness, empathy, being able to connect to yourself and others, being able to inspire yourself to and others. Those positive things just live in a different part of your brain. Mm. So, the, so what I talk about is that the value of the negative emotion is only in giving you a wake-up call to, oh, shit, there's something here to pay attention to. There is a tiger behind the street. There is an enemy coming at you. That's, so feeling fear, feeling upset, feeling angry, feeling disappointed are really awesome for you. The only but, but only for a split second when you get the attention that says, oh, something needs tending to. Mm-hmm. But the moment you get that warning that something needs tending to, then... That part of your brain that lives in fear is no longer the part of your brain that's useful to get you to take action, uh, to take the best action, to be resourceful, to be creative, to be thoughtful. That's why people who are able to shift to the positive part of the brain uh, in all of the research that of my own and others that I cite, they perform better because they're not wasting their mental emotional energy on continually feeling negative about what's happening. What has happened has happened. What are you going to do about it now? Yeah. And that's where the positive part of the yeah. brain comes in. Yeah. And another thing which I found really powerful in your talk was how you, you, you'd taken examples, anonymous examples from your um, coaching sessions with CEOs. And uh, there it, it sort of evidently came out that even though they were at the pinnacles of their success and their careers, they still had these really a uh, lot of insecurity around themselves and their success. So maybe you can share just a few, just to give an example of how how bad it can get if you're just primarily driven by your saboteurs. Uh, yes, Sonali, I think what you're referring to is that I gave a leadership uh, development seminar to uh, more than 100 CEOs a while back. And some of them were kind of household names, famous people. Some of them were billionaires. And some of them I, were, I was coaching already before the seminar. And so in the beginning of the seminar, I saw them going around, you know, puffing their chest, uh, peacock feathers out, <laughs> looking all great and confident and introducing themselves to each other. And then when, when we started, I said, you know what? I've been coaching some of you. I know that facade is not the truth, that your life isn't as perfectly put together as you pretend it is. Let's tell the truth about what life really is like. And I gave them these three and a half by five cards and I asked them to put uh how they're really feeling about their life on these cards. Don't put their name on it so that it can be anonymous. Then they send out the cards to find their room and I started reading them out. And I want to read out some of these for our listeners. This is a random selection of the 100 plus cards of these CEOs. How they're really feeling about their life. So this is what they wrote. I'm terrified of failing as the leader of my business. My air of confidence is false. I have no plan in life. I'm rarely at peace with myself, constantly looking for more, comparing myself with others. And as you listen to these cards, notice these saboteurs messing with these people. How can people with such level of success 
mm-hmm. still have these thoughts in their head. I fear dying of an early age from overwork and stress. I'm self-destructive and I don't know why. I have no idea how to truly connect with my only son. I often feel like I'm a fraud. And this is such a common problem with high achieving individuals. We even have a name for it. We call it the imposter syndrome. So many high achieving individuals think that their success is just a fluke, an accident, uh, and that any day now they're going to be discovered for the imposter that they are. Yeah. I've been abusing drugs and alcohol to deal with stress. I battle with constantly ranking and judging everyone around me in all settings, all the time. This, this particular one is what I call the judge saboteur, judging yourself and others constantly. I lack strength in resisting temptations and desires. I'm feeling very sad and lonely and the antidepressants I'm on don't seem to be helping. I worry my materialism is hurting my children. This one broke my heart when I first read it. It's all in capital letters. I don't love myself very much. And it breaks your heart uh, that people feel this way, even though, you know, a lot of people around them would say, you know, why do you feel like this? You're a wonderful person. I wish I could run away for one year, just be alone. And the last one from CEOs that also was heartbreaking when I first read it. I'm afraid of ending up like my father, who is unloved and will die alone. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I I think this really paints such a vivid picture. And I'm sure many people in the audience and myself included would, uh, would sort of, when we listen to this, right, it's like, I I think I can, I, I, I could have written one of those cards I mean even though we haven't seen that level of success yet but I think so many of us suffer from so much insecurity and just yeah. uh, you know not being sure about are we really doing the right thing so is there something like a sage assessment like can I figure out what are the positive things that I'm at least have some level of strength in um what I'd say to that is that unfortunately there is a lie uh, out there that you know some assessments perpetuate on you, which is you know people do some assessments that and come away saying you know what I'm not the creative type you know I am the activator type I'm not the this I'm the that and actually it does more damage than good because. What we uh, show in our research is that anybody who activates the positive intelligence region of their brain, their PQ brain, with enough of these PQ reps I just showed you, will absolutely activate circuitry in the brain that can give them access to these five great sage powers, which are explore, uh, innovate, empathize, navigate, and activate. And what we show is that You know, just like in painting, uh, you only need three colors, three primary colors. And with three primary colors, if you combine them in the right order, you get any color you want. What we have, uh, what our research shows uh, when it came to uh, leadership competencies and uh, competencies you need for success is that there really are only five primary powers. 
that if you ha- get access to them in the proper region of your brain, if you combine these primary powers, you get anything that you need. You get all the emotional intelligence competencies. You need all the leadership competencies you need by just the combination of these five powers. And everybody has access to these five powers if they learn to activate the positive intelligence region of your brain. So the long answer to your question, Sonali, is I would love everybody to say, I can be deeply empathic. Mm-hmm. I can be deeply you know, uh, awesome in being curious and being a discoverer. I can be awesome in being inventive and an innovator. I can be absolutely values-driven and purpose-driven, and I can be kick-ass activator. All Jedi powers, all sage powers, if I activate and build up muscle strength in the PQ region of my brain, accessible to all. I don't want you to go typecast yourself as, oh, I'm the creative type, but not to this type, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I I really, I I would strongly recommend everyone. I'm going to definitely go to your website and take the assessment and start doing PQ reps because this seems like an investment in myself, which... It's always good to do. Um, I would want to end with, I, I think somewhere I heard you talk about, you know, how there's a lot of anxiety around, you know, what is my true calling and uh, what am I meant to do? How do I realize my full potential? And you had some interesting thoughts on that, that, you know, how it's not a destination, but more about figuring out what the next best step is. So maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the people, young people, I just recently gave this talk to at Stanford to also a group of graduating MBA students and first year MBA students. They are all so anxious about, oh my God, do I know my calling? Am I taking the right first job? And am I on the right path to self-actualize? And what I told them is that's an insane level of pressure they're putting on themselves because the biggest mistake about self-actualization and kind of reaching your potential and and doing what it is your intent to do in life is to think that there is a one destination answer to that question. If you are smart enough and work hard enough, you're going to figure out who you are supposed to be and then go do that, reach that destination. But in my experience, that's not how it works at all. And the metaphor I used to describe how it really works is that I, I, I say, well, imagine that Self-actualization is like reaching this lighthouse, this big, beautiful lighthouse. And the problem is that there is a thickly wooded forest between you and the lighthouse. And this thickly wooded forest is also, it's night and it's foggy. So you're standing in this place now and there's a thickly wooded forest on this foggy, dark night. Uh, and all the way to the other side is the lighthouse, your self-actualization, your full self-actualization. The question is, how the heck do you get yourself to the lighthouse? And you don't have a roadmap, and there, and there are all these thickly wooded stuff in front of you. And the answer really is, using this metaphor, is, well, at any given step, the only thing you can really decide is what's the next step you're going to take, and how do you decide which next step to take, Take the next step that has the most light in it. And as you take that next step, and only after you take that next step, will there be even more light to illuminate the next step that you want to take, and then the next step, and the next step. And as you go, you'll get closer and closer to the source of the lighthouse. There will be more and more light illuminating every step of the path. And you start running into other people <laughs> who, are, who are kind of motivated to get to the same kind of purpose in life. And they might help you help you go faster and go better in this. 
And the final, you know, interesting thing about this metaphor is that none of us actually ever get to the lighthouse. Uh, there is no full final destination. The reason is one of the most self-actualized people and I think in the world was Nelson Mandela. And even Nelson Mandela, I can look at, I can tell you the 15 things he could have done in his life <laughs> to do even better and more for the world that he didn't do. So he didn't quite do 100% self-actualization, but boy, did he get close. Yeah. And so what I would say is, uh, don't freak out so much about the final thing. Ask yourself, what's the next step? And now let's talk a little bit about what do we mean by the step that has more light in it? Mm. And in order to figure out what step has more light in it, that's one of the reasons you want to deeply pay attention to your sage versus saboteurs. The reason is some of these saboteurs, like the hyperachiever, for example, or the judge, they will tell you what step to take based on completely the wrong criteria. And the criteria might be, you know, what the world wants you to do, what your parents want you to do, what the wrong part of your brain is saying you're supposed to do to be a good person or whatever. And, but your sage might have a very different answer. And the, so the way you know what step has more light in it is by deeply paying attention to the energy and emotion underneath the messages in your head to mm -hmm. see which one has more positivity to it. Uh, so light has positivity and passion and love and all those energies to it. If you, if the step uh, is all rational and is all based on some criteria imposed on you by others, it's not the step with light in it. So you need to be self-guided by the subtle energies of your Jedi inside that whisper in your ear what step has more light in it the best way to tell is pay attention to the energy and emotion underneath it. Is it positive energies and emotion or is it, or, is it, or does it feel more like saboteurs? That's yeah. how you can tell. Yeah, I think this is such an important message, Shirzad, because I think for many of us, a lot of times when you have to make a choice, it's almost as if you have to ask yourself, am I running away from something or am I running towards something? And... I think this requires a lot of self-awareness and just knowing that, you know, where where the positive energy lies, right? Especially for someone who has been very, if you have very strong negative emotions, it's not easy to figure that out. Yes, um, and the biggest mistake people make, and I was just having this talk again at Stanford Business School, one of the MBA students, second year MBA students, was stuck in making a decision between two choices and asked me about it. And... Uh, he said, one of the choices is about this and this and this and builds my career in the following ways and builds up these skills and these skills or whatever. And as he was talking about it, all I was paying attention to was emotion. And what I helped him see is that the rational mind is actually not your wisest part. The rational mind, which so many of us get, get to worship through our education and all that stuff, is a part that makes us smart, but does not make us wise. And the rational mind doesn't have emotion to it. It's kind of emotionally numb. So when your rational mind says, you got to do this next step because of the following five reasons, that actually is not a step with light in it. There are, because the other choice this person had in front of them, as he started talking about that other choice, as I was paying attention to emotional energy, what I was picking up on is passion, love, 
the pool that you're talking about. And everything I know about how careers turn out is that that pool, that light, is what will, would have that person do extraordinarily well in that next step, mm-hmm. even though if rationally that next step would not have been as prestigious or build up a resume quite the same way as the first step. That was more rational a cho- uh, choice. And, and it ends up leading to the next step and the next step and the next step that eventually gets them absolutely a lot closer to the self-actualization. So do these PQ reps so that you begin to pay attention to which part of you is talking to you. If it's just the the cold, rational part or even worse, the hyperachiever or the controller or the judge, all of those telling you this is the step you should do, don't trust that information. That's not where your wisdom lives. Thank you so much, Shirazad. I mean, this, I think this has been very, very helpful. I'm sure it's going to inspire a lot of the listeners. And uh, I can't think of a better note to end the podcast on. So thank you again. And uh, I wish you all the best with this research. And I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from this around the world. Yeah, one other thing, scenario I forgot to mention, we do have a six-week uh, training program, which is okay. uh, which uses a weekly uh, video sessions and then an app that guides daily practices to build these muscles. And if people go to our website uh, under program, they, they might see what might be the next available six-week program. What we find is, you know, people within the support of other cohorts and an app that guides daily practice are much more likely to build and sustain these muscles than if they want to do it on their own. So that's another resource oh, available. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely worth checking. Is the, is the course in person or is it online? No, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely remotely accessible. Uh, video calls once a week and then the app that guys practices. Right. So people can do it from and do do it from anywhere around the world. Excellent. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Shazad. And uh, all the best. Take care. Thank you, Sonali. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.